I'm really supposed to follow that. <laughs> wow, thank you so much. Uh, I, are we not blessed by this ministry of music and worship every single week? Thank you so very, very much. I'm not going to talk while they're uh, filing down. Let, let me, because uh, that would be rude on my part, let, let me let them get down. And while they're doing that, let me just acknowledge something you may be aware of. Taylor's First Baptist Church and a group of about 300 of you all plus have been involved with uh, ringing bell at Salvation Army Kettle uh, this Christmas season. And last I heard, and some of you other folks may correct me if I'm wrong on this, I, I haven't seen Jeremy this morning, um, raised somewhere around $8,000 this Christmas season, and I just want to acknowledge that. And I want to thank everyone who had a part. What an incredible ministry that is every year. And I think the, the volunteers at Taylor's raised more money, I think, than any other group this year. Um, in doing that and very, very grateful. Now let me tell you the rest of the story. When he died, over 150,000 people filed past his casket. At his funeral, 40,000 plus people attended, including the Queen of England. When he was 15 years old, for the very first time, he came to hear and understand that God loved him and had sent a Savior into the world. This 15-year-old boy had grown up in poverty. And he spent not only his young adult years, but the rest of his life living and working among those who lived in poverty. At 15 years of age, when God touched his heart and converted him. He developed a passion for those in society who many had no room for and no space for and ignored. The prostitute, the thief, the impoverished. This young man reached out to them, won them to Christ by multitudes, but the established church of his day didn't want those people coming in. So he began preaching in tents or in unused burial sites or in pigeon houses or in bars, wherever he could find a place to preach. He preached. Those that society had turned their back on continued to come to Christ in great Numbers. I want to share a quote with you from this man who started what was then called the East London Christian Mission in the late 1800s. He said, While women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While little children go hungry, I'll fight. While men go to prison, in and out, in and out, as they do now, I'll fight. While there's a drunkard left, while there's a poor lost girl upon the streets, 
When there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, I'll fight to the very end. That man's name was William Booth, and he founded the Salvation Army. He was a life that got in an incredible way. And today the Salvation Army is one of the greatest humanitarian organizations in the world, touching countless lives year after year after year. We're most familiar with it at Christmas time, but they work all year round. This morning, I want us to look at another person, an unlikely person that God used in a tremendous way. And I'm talking about Mary as we come to this Christmas message, the one that God chose to be the earthly mother of His Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of misconceptions Mary. I think sometimes we in the Protestant tradition kind of downplay Mary's role. We shouldn't do that. It's incredible what God did with this young girl's life. Why did He do it? <laughs> well, it wasn't because she was educated. She probably had no education at all. It wasn't because she was very poor. It wasn't because she was very mature, very likely she was a teenager and a frightened one at that. And yet there were some things in Mary's life that I want us to look at this morning as we come to this Sunday before Christmas. And I want you to ask yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to ask of you, am I someone God can use? I don't know of any more important question we could ask at Christmas time then God, how do you want to use me? And Mary is certainly our in that study this morning. If you have your copy of God's Word with you, let me invite you to turn to Luke, the first chapter. I want to read a rather lengthy passage this morning, but it's important that we hear it and understand it to set the context for the message. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 23 to the end of the chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God, throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word in the from her. So in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, is the fruit of your womb. 
And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is he who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He has has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to his fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We ask now that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher. That we will learn from you. And Lord, that you will mold us and shape us by your Spirit through your word that we might become people you can use to make a difference in our world, in the place where we live, that your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, would be lifted up and exalted. That is our prayer that we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look back at verse of the text for just a moment, if you have your Bibles with you. After Mary heard these words of the angel, I want you to notice that it says in verse 29 that she was greatly troubled. That is a rather mention of a Greek word which literally could be translated scared out of her wits. Mary was so taken back by what the angel had said to her, by what God had revealed to her, that she trembled at those words. She was petrified. I want you to understand that far from being a time of excitement for Mary, the announcement of the angel as it came to her life totally unexpectedly was something that brought her to a crossroads in her life. It was a time of fear. It was a time of uncertainty. One of the greatest things that keeps God from being able to use you and being able to use me the way that He wants to use us is this thing we call fear. We are fearful of if we were to allow God to take our lives and really use them for His purposes. Mary was afraid. It's okay for you to be afraid. It's all right for me to be afraid. But are we as open as Mary was? Are we willing this morning to let God into our lives as Mary was willing to let God speak His truth into her life? What are some of these fears that we struggle with? Let let me share four of them with you quickly this morning. Things that can keep me, things that can keep you from being used of God. These very real fears. The more I thought of 
forward. Number one, how about fear of criticism? What were people going to think about Mary when these things began to happen to her? Mary was a virgin. And yet the angel said, you're going to have a baby. There would be people who didn't understand. There would be people who misunderstood. There would be people who would be talking behind her back. Criticism. We fear what would happen to us if we really begin to get serious about what God wants to do in our lives and in our church. How about fear of inadequacy? Think about Mary. The child that will be born to you will be holy and he will be called the son of the most high. Mother of the Messiah. If there was ever anyone who had the right to feel it for that kind of task, surely it was Mary. And don't we struggle in the same way? God, I'm not adequate. You can't use me. You can't take my life because I've got this issue. I've got that problem. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough. Fear of inadequacy keeps what to do in our lives. Here's a good one. How about fear of change? How many of us like change? Not many of us. We don't embrace it. We run from it. Yet here was Mary. Her whole world was there. Everything in her life was about to change. And then, how about fear of the unknown? What was God going to have to do to this young girl to have a baby? That didn't make sense to her. This was a great unknown for her. How was it going to happen? All of these fears are very real fears. And if Mary had given in to any one of them, any one of them, fear of inadequacy, fear of change, fear of the unknown, if Mary had given in to any one of those fears, God would have never been able to have taken her life and do with it what he did. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. You're going to criticize me. If I'm afraid that there's going to be some change coming to my life, if I'm afraid that I'm inadequate, if I'm afraid of the unknown, and I let those things hold me back, then God will never be able to take my life and use it as a vehicle for His glory. Can I take your life? Whoever you are, whatever age you are, whatever background you come from, can you hear me say to you on this Sunday before Christmas, God wants to take your life and He wants to use it as a vehicle regardless of who you are. And if he's going to be able to do that, then he's got to see some qualities in your life and in my life, the same kind of qualities that he saw in Mary's life that enabled him to take her life and use it in an incredible way. So can God what kind of person is God looking for on this Sunday before Christmas? I pray you'll open your spiritual ears this morning and let God speak his truth into your life, even as I pray he will speak it into my life. Let's look at these things quickly this morning as we try to answer the question, what kind of person can...
God can use me when I desire to do His will. God can use me and God can use you only when our greatest desire is to be used, is to do His will more than anything else. I want to share with you this morning that uh, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Did you know that? When He created you, He created you. He created you with a plan in mind. God has a custom, one-of-a-kind, tailor-made, individual, unique plan for every one of you. But it is not automatic. You can choose to plan. You can choose to turn away from that plan. God made you for a purpose, but you can choose to miss that purpose. You can choose to waste your life or blow your life or squander your life, not make it count. This is only you, those persons who want to be used, who really desire to do God's will. So one day, this angel comes to Mary, knocks on her door, and says, Mary, God has a fantastic plan for your life. So that men and women, boys and girls, all around the world will know what He is like. Now let me tell you how He's going to come. He's going to come as a baby... And Mary, he's going to use your body. You're going to be Messiah. You're going to be the vehicle through which God incarnates himself, through which God comes into the world. Now I want you to look at Mary's response here, verses 46 through 48. We looked at it a moment ago. Look at what Mary says. My soul praises my heart rejoices in God my Savior because he has shown concern for his humble servant girl. I want you to notice Mary didn't say, whoa, wait a minute, angel. I don't know what this is about. Uh, I, I, I need to think through this, uh, angel. I've got... I've got a career to think about. I've got my plans to think about. I've got my goals. I'm about to be married. This isn't convenient for me right now. I'm not sure this is the best thing for me. And Mary didn't say any of that. She didn't decline God's will. She desired God's will. She wanted it. She said, my soul praises the Lord. She wanted God's will more than anything else in her life. That's the reason why God chose them. She wanted to be used. You see, God uses people who want to be used. He uses people who desire more than anything else to do His will. So here's the question for you. Do you want to be used? Do you want God to take your life and use it as a vehicle for His glory? Do you really want to experience God's plan for your life? If you 
tells us that there are two important attitudes that need to be present in your life. Two important attitudes here that need to be present in your life in order for God to use you. Here they are. Number one, God wants to see, in the first place, an attitude of enthusiasm in me. Look at what Mary said again. Praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. <laughs> There's no grinning and bear it mentality here. There's no attitude that says, all right, well, I understand God wants to use me, so okay, what do you want to do? He was enthusiastic. Can I tell you that, that being used of God isn't a matter of tolerance and acceptance? It's a matter of excitement and enthusiasm that God would want to take your life and my life Glory. Mary said, my soul praises the Lord. My spirit rejoices. There's an eagerness here. There's an excitement here. Even in the midst of the fear, even in the midst of the unknown, even in the midst of all of the change, do you see the excitement and the enthusiasm? from? She said, God, I want to be used. I'm waiting to be used because... That's what you made my life for. So here is my life. I will rejoice. I will be excited. I will be enthusiastic, God, about what you want to do. Sometimes the, one of the least things I see in the hearts of God's people is real enthusiasm about God wanting to use us. Oh, we struggle. I got to go do this. Got to do. Yeah, they're calling me again. I got it. Excitement. In God wants to do in, with, and through your life and my life. I hope this morning there's some excitement. And I hope there's some enthusiasm in your heart and in your spirit that God would want to use you. And He does. Enthusiasm, but secondly, just as important, God also wants to see an attitude of humility in me. Look at this, verse 48. Mary said, he has remembered me, his lowly servant. Now, we've been in Philippians, Christ, right? Assuming that posture of a servant. This is what Mary's saying here. She's saying, Lord, you're the master. I'm just, I'm just a servant. She didn't say, well, Lord, I was wondering when you'd get around to this. No. She was humble. She knew that it was because of who God is. Mary says, God, I'm just a servant. And the point is, none of us deserves to be used by God, but God desires to use us. None of us plan, none of us merits God taking our lives and using them as vehicles for his glory. We don't merit that. We're all trophies of God's grace. God works in our lives and He blesses our lives and He uses our lives not because of who we are but because of who He is. He says, I want to use you. Not because you deserve it, but because I desire it. You'll never deserve it. I'll never deserve it. All we can say is, Lord... We're just your humble servant. 
going to work in my life. So the very first thing God wants to see, if He's going to be able to take your life and use it as a vehicle for His glory, is that you have a desire to do His will. And I hope not a worship this morning without recommitting ourselves in that kind of way. God, here is my life. I want your will more than anything else. I'm enthusiastic about it. I'm humble about it, but I'm excited that you would want to take me and use me. His will. I'll tell you a second thing that's just as important. Second quality that we see in Mary's life that God wants to see in your life and mine this morning. That is this, God can use me when I determine to pay the cost. When I determine to pay the cost. Now, some of us aren't going to like hearing this, but let's just go ahead and get it out there. There is always a cost involved in doing the will of God. We've gotten very comfortable in our safe and secure, materialistic, sometimes hedonistic expression of American Christianity. But the, the Scripture is very, very clear. There's a cost in following God's plan for my life. And if you say this morning, God, there's a new year ahead of me, and in the year 2019, I want to give you more of me this next year, God. I want to be closer to you than ever before. I want to be more in your plan. I want to be more in your purpose. I want to walk that I ever had before. God, I, I want to do that. I mean it. If you say that to God and you mean it, can I just tell you right now, it's going to cost you. There are always costs in following the will of God. There are always risks involved in following the will of God. It will always require faith. It's going to always require you to step out into some things that are out there in the unknown for you, but that is all the will of God. That is what it takes to be used of God. That's what Mary did. She decided she wanted God's will more than anything else. Yes, she was scared. We saw some of those fears already. But look at what she says here in verse 38. I am willing to do whatever He wants. Now, I'm going to make you a promise this morning. Look at that verse again. I am the Lord whatever He wants. Here's the promise. If every one of us said that to the Lord this morning and meant it, revival would break out in this place before we ever get out those doors. But we don't really mean it, and we know we don't really mean it when we say it. I am the Lord's servant. I'm whatever 
wants. What a statement. Let me ask you a question. What does whatever mean? What does whatever mean? It means whatever, right? Whatever means God, nothing's off the table. Nothing. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it because I am your servant. I will pay any cost. I will go any, I will give up any possession. I will hold on to nothing, God. I let go of everything. I am willing to pay the cost. Mary was willing to pay the cost. What cost did she have to pay to become the earthly mother? that I see here very, very clearly. And, and let me just, this is for every single one of us. Please don't misunderstand. But let me say a word to our students this morning in particular. Because this is, this is when we get older, this doesn't sometimes seem to be quite as hard. Maybe it's hard. It really gets tough. Here's an area of cost. If you get serious about God taking your life and using it as a vehicle for your glory, for His glory, then being used by God can cost you your reputation. Can cost me. If you really want to be used by God, if you're saying to Him this morning, you really mean it, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm your servant. Get ready to give up your reputation with some people. They're not going to like who you are. They're not going to like what you stand for. They're not going to like the translations uh, version of Luke 138 here. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. I'll accept it. I'll accept my reputation being tarnished with some people. I mean, that was certainly the case for Mary, right? A virgin. Really? Really? You're pregnant. A virgin, who's going to believe that? Who's going to buy that story? Can you imagine Mary going to Joseph? Honey, I need you to know I'm pregnant. You're not the father. And the baby's going to be God. Nobody would believe that. And have you ever thought about this? Jesus was 30 years old before he ever publicly began doing Mary was in for a lifetime of ridicule, a lifetime of misunderstanding, a lifetime of people slandering her and her reputation. willing to say, God, I'll accept whatever that means for me. There are going to be people who are going to misunderstand you. They're going to criticize you. They're going to talk about you. They're going to misjudge you because you are going to be different.
Being used by God can cost me my reputation. Secondly, being used by God can cost me my comfort. Now, you older folks who are saying, yeah, let them, have, let them teenagers have it. Mary gave that up. Have you ever thought about this? Ladies, the Bible said in Micah 5 2 that, that Jesus would have to be born in Bethlehem. Mary lived in Nazareth. Ladies, how would you like to be nine months pregnant and going? Miles as a crow flies, 90 miles or so if you're walking, eight to 10 days by foot traveling. You think that was easy? What about having your, your first child in a strange city, in a barn? Never been through anything scared. And then once your baby's born, you hear a king wants to kill him. So now you have to flee with your husband to a different country to get away, to be safe. In fact, the announcement of the angel to Mary began a string of what most of us would call big problems in Mary's life. You need to learn to put two things together that we don't like to put together, okay? God's purpose... God's purpose, problems. God's plan, problems. In fact, problems are part of the plan. And that is part of the cost. There's always a cost. And Jesus was always very, very open and upfront about that cost. Luke 14, 24. And hey, by the way, don't forget until you what? Count the cost. Don't, don't begin. Sorry, don't begin until you count the cost. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. Look at it. He said, all these things I was worthwhile. Now I've thrown them all away so that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. Paul understood there were costs, but he also understood that the cost was worth it. He said, all these things I used to think were so anymore. I've dumped them all so that I can walk in the very center of God's plan and purpose for my life, what He made me for. Wow. Is that where I am this Christmas? Where you are? Are you going to go with some things? Walk away from some things? Some comfort? Some security? Are you willing to give up some stuff to be used by God? You're going to have to give up some stuff. Might be a habit, might be a relationship, might be some money. God's plan will bring problems. It's part of the cost. It can cost you your reputation. It can cost you your comfort. But it is worth it to do what God made you for. It is worth it to create you to in the way that God desires to use you. God can only use us if we're willing to pay the cost. Thirdly and finally, quickly, let me wrap up this morning. God can use me when I... God can use me when I promises. Listen, 
It takes courage to be used by God because there's some real fears. It takes courage to be used of God because there's going to be problems. Courage is not the absence of fear. fear in spite of the questions because you believe God is faithful. Mary was afraid. She didn't have answers to all of these questions that were rolling around in her mind, but she trusted God's How can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of God shall overshadow you for every promise from God shall surely come true. Mary believed the promises of God. Can I give you a promises? Don't forget the promises of God. God has given you a word and if he has given you a word, you can act on it. If he has given you a promise, you can believe it. God will do what he said in your mouth. But if God has given you a word, believe it. Dare to trust his promises. Mary's cousin Elizabeth understood that this was part of why God chose Mary to be the mother of his son. We read a moment ago when Elizabeth saw Mary for the first time. chapter 1, speaking to Mary, you believed that God would do what he said. That is why he has given you this wonderful blessing. That's the only way we'll ever get in on God's greatest blessing. God's promises are true. God's presence is true. And we're going to act on it. We're going to move on it. We're going to believe it. We're not going to be held back because we dare to trust his promises. Who desire to do his will more than anything else. God uses people who determine to pay the cost, whatever it is. And God uses people who I want to close by asking you a question this morning. What are you going to give Jesus for Christmas? I mean, it is His birthday, right? You've bought everybody else's presents. To somebody who has everything. You ever tried to buy a gift for somebody who has everything? Jesus has everything, right? No. He doesn't have all And I know of no greater gift that could be given this morning than for you and me to simply come to the Lord and say, Today, I desire to do your trust your promises. On this Sunday before Christmas, Lord Jesus, I give you all of me. What a great gift. Heavenly Father, thank you for Christmas. 
We thank you for Jesus. We look back through history and we see that you used people like William Booth to start the Salvation Army, countless others to do great things. We see if we don't understand that you also want to use us. May we give you that gift most precious this morning that we could possibly give. The sinful, the weak, the frightened, all of us, every part of us we give to you this morning. Lord, I pray you'll take our lives and use them as vehicles for your glory. They've never come to the foot of Calvary's cross. They've never confessed their sin before you. They've never sought your forgiveness. They've never followed hard after you. I pray this morning, Lord, if there's anyone here within the sound of my voice who needs to come to the Christ of Christmas into discovering your plan and your purpose for his or her life. God, may this be the day when that decision is made. Father, move in the hearts of your people for your iron glory is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to join me. here. But as we sing this morning, would you give that gift of yourself to the Christ of Christmas? Sing and move as God leads you this morning.